Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Great to see you all here. Um, Great to see the people online, Um, not see you, but see the camera and know you're out there. Nobody heckled Nick last week, so any, any heckling this week I'll take very personally, okay? But I am Craig Schultz, I'm one of the other pastors around here, uh, so it's great to have you with us tonight, and um, you know, we're just glad to have you with us. We're in a series on John, and we're talking about the I am's of Jesus, the I am statement that Jesus made, and so far we had Dave preach a couple of weeks ago. And gave us a prologue around in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that's really the introduction to everything that John is talking about in the book. The primary reason he writes the book is to say these things. Jesus is God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And everything that follows in that, everything that we hear is in that context of what John was saying there. And last week, Nick preached on John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Who can remember he had a piece of bread and a hamburger and said, would you rather a hamburger once a week or a piece of bread every day and really encouraged us to be in the word every day, being spiritually fed every day because Jesus is the bread of life and that's what we want to have in our life. And this week we move on. Now we're not doing this series strictly in chronological order. We're going to jump to John chapter 10 uh, this week, but we're not doing the first bit of John chapter 10. We're jumping into the second bit of John chapter 10. Now in John chapter 10, Jesus makes two I am statements. And the first one he says, I am the gate or the door. But we're not going to talk about that tonight because Sarah is going to speak to us next week. She's going to preach up a storm around I am the gate. So bring your raincoats. Um, I only say that to point out how ridiculous some of the things that we say are. Preaching up a storm, who does that? It's not raining outside. Um, But no, she'll do a great job of that next week. She'll be preaching about that. But we're actually moving into the second half of of the John chapter 10. And it too talks about something to do with sheep and how we tend sheep. So Jesus at the door, we'll talk a little bit about that only to show you what that looks like. But the second statement he makes, the second I am statement he makes is, I am the good shepherd. So in the first passage, the first part that Sarah will talk about next week, and not to steal her thunder, it's just to say that really it's about how you enter the kingdom of God. It's all about entering the kingdom of God. I am the gate, the door, and how you enter the kingdom of God. The reason I'm not stealing any of her thunder is when it comes to I am the good shepherd, Jesus is actually talking about his character and his relationship with the sheep. And so we're going to be focusing on that. So let's start reading. It's John chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 11. John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. And we're going to pause right there because before we actually learn some stuff tonight, we might actually need to unlearn some stuff. Okay? We might need to unlearn some stuff. First thing is, one is that I'm not Karen Mosley. Now, how do you know that? I don't have hair. No, I don't have a chicken. Very close. Very, very close. If I was Karen Mosley, there would be a live sheep here. 
okay? I don't have a live sheep. I have a picture of a sheep, okay? It's not the same, is it? But it is the same for the people at home. So we're actually thinking about the people at home watching on the stream. Um, They're not missing out on something very special that Karen does for us. But secondly, some of you will know I was raised on a sheep farm. And so I think I know my sheep. But we have to hold up again. I have to wait a second. Because what does I know my sheep mean? Stay with me for a while because this is going to get a little bit tricky and a little bit complex, okay? Because there's sheep singular and there's sheep plural. Same word, different application. I mean, why is that? Why couldn't we just have sheep and sheeps? We do it with everything else. I mean, would it really destroy the English language or the fabric of our society if we could just make it that simple? But we don't. We have sheep and sheep, singular and plural. And we have no and no. And, and no can mean very much no very particular things or it can be I know conceptually what this is about, broader. So the statement, I know my sheep, might mean I'm acquainted with all the details and peccadilloes of this particular individual animal. Or it might mean I'm acquainted with how to raise, tend and manage large flocks of sheep, plural, and how to manage them and look after them in that context. And in my case, it's actually the latter. I grew up on a sheep farm. There was about 3,000 sheep, maybe 2,500 sheep on that property, maybe 2,000 in the poorer years. So when I say I know my sheep, I can say that, but is it actually helpful for us tonight? Probably not that much. In fact, comparing ancient Israeli sheep tending, sheep management, to what I grew up with is a bit like comparing my singing with the Sydney harmonic orchestra, both are music, allegedly, or it's a bit like comparing your latest post on Facebook with Pride and Prejudice, um, for those of you who probably are particularly of the feminine gender. But in fact, today, we, we don't have shepherds. We have stockmen and stockwomen, and there's a difference. So I want to point out some of the differences, just a little, might be education for some of you, between today's stock managers and an Israeli sheep farmer. Because when Jesus says, I am, the she- I am the good shepherd, he's talking about being a shepherd. So what's the difference? Today, in sheep management, if you talk about a mob size, it's typically something like anywhere between 50 and 5,000 plus. Like on a smaller farm, it might be 50 and they might be in a paddock by themselves. On a station, there can be 10,000 out there, 15,000, 20,000 out there that they muster to shear. In terms of how often do do the shepherd or the people see them? Today, they might not see them only every few days. You might go and visit the flock of sheep. Or if you're on a station, it might be even months in between times when you actually see those animals. But a shepherd, an ancient Israeli shepherd, was with them all day. Every day. That's what they did. The relationship, how well they, the shepherd knew the sheep today. I mean, even I grew up on a sheep farm and all sheep looked the same to me, especially if they're of the same breed. If they're different breeds, I can pick it, okay? But you give me a merino ewe or a merino lamb and typically they look pretty much the same. And I might know the rams because we only typically had about five to ten of those and they got, you knew them, but the, the ewes, no chance. And the weathers, no chance. 
except if they had something very unusual with them. How we hold them, how we actually manage the stock. Today, the stock are in fences day and night, same boundaries, they have freedom. But in ancient Israel, it looks something like this. In the daytime, they roam free. No fences, just the shepherd to look after them. And at night time, they went in something that looked like this, where the shepherd held them close to protect them from the wild animals in that time. Herding. How do we actually manage the sheep? So today, on a sheep farm, typically we chase sheep. We chase them. We chase them around. We use motorbikes. We use dogs. We use or yell at them. We yell at them. Ho! 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 Hey. few expletives and saying the same thing. But we use this kind of chasing animals. We chase them. But an Israeli shepherd led the, led the sheep. They knew his voice and he walked ahead of them. He didn't walk behind them and heard them. He walked ahead of them and the sheep knew him. So some of you will know that recently I had my left knee replaced. It's a very aging thing to have your knee replaced. But um, fortunately, I am actually walking better now than I was before. But one of the defining moments to saying, I think it's time to get this knee replaced, was my brother and I were chasing about 30 sheep, trying to get them onto a trailer. And my brother is three years older than me, and he's got a knee about as good as mine. And um, he and I were chasing these 30 sheep around the paddock, which in our younger days would have been a very, very simple exercise. Like, it would have happened in a matter of moments. Um, needless, well, just to say that this time around, just a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, we chased these sheep. They took off this way. I ran. I, he'd run after them. He looked ridiculous. He couldn't, you know, he'd hobble around and try and chase and they'd get there. And it took us about half an hour. The same thing would happen to me. The sheep would take off. I'd try and run. Not very much would happen. Um, it was just an absolute debacle of chasing the sheep. It took us half an hour, something that probably should have taken us five minutes. But how much easier it would have been if we were an Israeli shepherd? We would have just had to stand in the corner. They would have come to us. We would have walked up onto the trailer. They would have followed us and that would have been that. How much easier? So, a good stock person today knows a lot about breeding and feeding, knows how to take out the weakest of the flock and to strengthen the strong. There's limited amount of time for individual stock. Probably if you require too much uh, attention, you actually get taken out of the flock. If you're taking up too much time, because there's an efficiency factor in managing stock today, which is very different than what it was in Jesus' time. So all of this just confirms that when we come to read the Bible, we actually do have to understand what it was like at that time. Because actually interpreting this passage about I am the good shepherd in today's context really doesn't make much sense. It really wouldn't work in the same way. So it's important to, to understand that. Secondly, it's important to understand another piece of context and who's Jesus talking to here and why. So if you go back into chapter 9, well before Jesus is saying these things, um, he's actually talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And he's talking to them because they, there's actually uproar. There's uproar because Jesus has healed a blind man, not only that, 
but he's healed him on the Sabbath. I mean, bad enough that he'd heal a blind man, but to do it on the Sabbath was like work, something you shouldn't do. It wasn't you should be resting on the Sabbath. And so Jesus did work. And there was a great debate around Jesus and whether he should have done this thing. And the religious leaders were very frowning, not because they thought it was a bad thing that happened, but A, they didn't understand it. And B, they just knew it happened on a Sunday and that wasn't a great day to do such things. And so the conversation that plays out here is actually between Jesus and the Pharisees. But you get the impression that Jesus, there were others present as well. And that in conversing with the Pharisees, he was saying to you on the side, listen to this as well. There's another audience. There's more than one audience to this um, conversation. And we, we see that by the fact that everybody was talking about this. It was known. It was happening. And the conversation continues to happen, um, not only in this chapter, but in chapter 11 as well. Uh, sorry, late in chapter 10. So there is this conversation there's a, that's going on with the Pharisees, but it's intended for other audiences as well. And there's a message for us today in these words. So let's read John chapter 10, starting at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. So we're going to take a look at three characteristics of the good shepherd here tonight. We're going to say, what's Jesus putting out there when he actually says these words? And I want us to look at the character of the good shepherd, the relationship of the good shepherd with the sheep, and then as application, the example that Jesus set as the good shepherd. So let's look first at the character of the good shepherd. And this is the only I am statement with an adjective. I am the good shepherd. He doesn't say I'm the good bread. He doesn't say I'm the good light of the world. He doesn't say I'm the good gate. But he does say I am the good shepherd. He puts himself out there as good. It's not just, see this is not just an inanimate object where he's talking about other things that are very neutral in whether they're good, bad or evil. Here he's talking about a person. He's saying I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Good as in virtuous or fair or worthy or admirable. These are the kinds of words that, that this word translates as. He's saying, I'm the good shepherd. We can trust him. 
He's not like the hired hand. He's not like a contractor. Can we get that next slide up there, please, Amaya? On a good day? That's all right. He's not like a hired hand. Not that one. The one before that one. Ah, there we go. Yeah, that's the one. Thank you. So we can trust him. He's not like a contractor. He's fully invested in, in the flock, in his sheep. Remember, the sheep is us that he's talking about here. He's fully invested. And he's invested even to death. So in verse 11b, it says, The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. And in 17 it says, The reason my father loves me is I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. So that's no thief or robber. It's not Satan. It's not the Pharisees. It's not the Roman government. No one took Jesus' life from him. When he died on the cross, Jesus lay his life down. When he was with his disciples, when he was with his followers, he was laying his life down. He wasn't doing what was demanded of him. He was giving an offering. He was giving an offering. And he was invested even to death. And there's the good shepherd attitude. I lay down my life and my rights of my own accord. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 says that Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient even to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus was obedient to the Father, the Heavenly Father, in his life and in his death. And we'll come back to that. So we've talked about Jesus being the Good Shepherd. We're going to talk about the relationship between the Good Shepherd and the sheep. In verse 14, I am the Good Shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice for there will be one flock and one shepherd. So just here in verse 16 when he says I've got other sheep not of this sheepfold, that's good news for you and me. Because here Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and to the Jews. And he's talking to them and saying, you think you're in the kingdom of God. You're the sheepfold, that picture I showed you earlier of the sheepfold. You think you're in that kingdom and that this kingdom belongs to us. But in saying I have sheep that are not of this fold, Jesus is talking about the Gentiles, people who were not Jews, people like you and me. He's talking to those outside. It's a really inclusive statement. Really inclusive and saying that there's good news for us too and there'll be one flock and one shepherd. Moving on in the chapter and in the, in the later verses, Jesus actually holds another conversation once again with the Pharisees in verse 27. But he says something that's really helpful for us as we think about Jesus being a good shepherd. Because he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And then he gives part of the why as well. Part of the why. One is it's always great to follow good people. But then in verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. So one reason, one great reason we've got to, G to follow Jesus as a good shepherd is because he offers eternal life to those who follow him, to those who believe in him. 
And it's worth going down just even a little bit further to verse 30 because there Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And it's just a reminder of what happened right at the start. In the beginning, God was the Word. The Word was with God and, God, and the Word was God. Once again, Jesus saying, God and I are one. But the relationship between the Good Shepherd and the sheep is close. It's very close. I know them and they know me. And this is a relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. It's a relationship he desires with us, that he knows us, that we are an open book in front of him. That there's nothing that we wouldn't talk to him about in our life. And that we know him and that we get to know him more and more. The relationship is one of being drawn to the good shepherd. It's not one of being chased. You know, Jesus isn't there chasing us into the kingdom of God. He's not yelling at us to get into the kingdom of God. He's not coercing us. He's not bribing us. There is a reward of eternal life. But we don't have to go if we don't want to. But as we get to know him more and more, we are drawn to him. We learn about his character. We learn to trust him with the things in our lives. We understand the things that he wants. And mostly we understand why. Perhaps not always, but mostly. Sometimes it takes a while till we find out the real why. And we understand that, yes, he is the good shepherd. Sheep don't always think that what the shepherd's doing is a great idea. If you've ever been around sheep, they do dumb stuff. They do dumb stuff. They think they know better and they go in places you don't want them to go. But ideally, yeah, we are drawn to Jesus. We get to know him better. We're a bit like moths to an incandescent light bulb, the warmth, seeking the warmth of his presence. So how do we get to know him? How do we hear his voice? It's a really common um, question. There's always a lot of talk around this. How do we hear him? And many of you will have heard, and look, I don't have a lot to add to what you might have heard in this space, because in actual fact, what you've probably heard is probably okay. I might have a bit of a twist on it, okay? I'm going to say absorb the Bible. Most people might say read the Bible. I want to say absorb the Bible. Don't just read it. Don't just read it. Let it sink in. Let it sink in. Because reading is just an activity. Absorbing says taking it, letting it come inside, letting it change who I am. And for mine, you have to actually do a bit more than read to absorb the Bible. You actually have to do a bit more than read and you have to do a bit more than listen to absorb the Bible. Listening is one way of doing it. It's not a bad way, not saying that at all. But study the Bible and meditate on its words. So it's great to do both of those things. To get to understand Jesus and to hear his voice, read slabs. Get the big picture. Read all of John. Read it quickly so that you get the big picture. of. And this is why we actually pull out in the end I am statements. We think, oh, Jesus said, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. Ah, that's interesting. So read slabs. And other times, go deep. Go deep. Sit on something for a week, a month, six months. I am the good shepherd. Might last you all this week. 
That might be all you need to do in your quiet time this week is sit there for 10 minutes and think, what does that mean? Jesus, what do you want to say to me out of this phrase? So go deep. Go wide, go deep. Secondly, pray. We say that all the time. But prayer is ears and mouth. Ears and mouth. So pray out loud. Pray in your minds if you want, but use your words. Speak to God, but allow him to speak to you as well. Ears. Listen. Listen to what he's got to say. And thirdly, I'd say meet with fellow believers. One of the things Jesus said is where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I think it's a wonderful concept, Jesus being in the midst of us. He's not with Caleb, although he is. He's not with Sana or Tim, although he is. He's not with Nick alone. He's not with Elliot alone. He's in the midst of us. And when we meet together and speak together, we hear truth in our midst. And many times we need to find something out from others and say, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? It's a great thing to do. So it's a great reason to be together. So let's do these things. Let's absorb the Bible. Let's pray. And let's meet with fellow believers. You might say, well, that's all easy to say, but what other practical wisdom can I offer? So a few things I will say about these things. If you want to hear the voice of God, try. Just try. It's as simple as that. Practice. Practice. Just say, God, what do you want to say to me? I've got this thing that I'm thinking about. What do you want to say? And listen. Fail. Okay? Get it wrong sometimes. Then get over it. As quickly as you can. Sometimes you might need to repent because you've said, I thought, you know, you might actually say, God, I thought this was you, it wasn't, it was me. Okay? Fail. That's okay. I have failed lots of times thinking I was doing what God wanted me to do. I'm still here. I'm still allowed to preach. It's amazing, isn't it? They don't let anybody up here. So I would say, you know, practice, just practice. Try again. Secondly, I'd encourage you to check in with fellow believers. Check in and say, I think God might be saying this to me. What do you reckon? That's Christ in the midst of us, hearing God's voice in the midst of us. Check it out with people you respect and say, what do you think? And I will say this, something that's been working for me lately, and I'd say this is something I've really focused on in the last couple of years in particular, was as situations arise, what was God saying to me before that situation arose? So it's not actually a reaction to what's happening as suddenly I'm hearing God's voice. But what was God saying to me before that situation arose? Because so often what I've found is that he actually was talking to me about that before I knew about the decision I was about to make. And I've found that really helpful. So I really encourage you to write things down. If you feel like God's saying something, you don't understand what that's about just yet, write it down. Write it down. And then when a situation comes up, go and take a look back. Say, what was God saying to me before Nick asked me if I'd do this thing? What was, you know, what was God saying? You might go back there and find that you know, he'd been talking to you about offering yourselves as a living sacrifice. <laughs> For example. You know, it just may be something like that. So do write stuff down. I write something down not every day. 
In fact, some days I might write something down a couple of times a week. Sometimes I might go for a month without actually writing anything down that I think like, oh, you know what? You know, that really rang true with me. What somebody said there really resonated with me. Like, I can tell you, just before I started this role, Claire, who's one of our elders, I might have mentioned this before here, we were in a prayer time, and instead of starting prayer like you normally should, dear God, she actually said, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And that just, in that moment, resonated with me. Like, it was just something you couldn't, I went straight home and wrote that down. <laughs> the teacher is here and he's calling for you. Then about a month later, this role of actually being a pastor here at that, this church came up. I was able to say, what did God say before? You know, so it's not, just, not just based on what am I thinking right now, but what was God saying to me before? What's he been saying over the last year? How have things changed over the last year? So I just encourage you, to, if you're trying to hear the voice of God, if you're trying to draw, you know, hear the voice of Jesus and hear what he's saying to you, to listen to his voice, there's a few thoughts. Just a couple of potential blockers, okay? If you're thinking, I'm not getting anywhere with hearing from Jesus, a couple of things to look for. One is flat out just ignoring the things that he's already said, okay? Sometimes we say, oh, I know what you said last time, but I'm not that interested in that. Can you tell me something else? Okay, a bit sick of that one. <laughs> a bit sick of this. So go back and look. If you're not hearing, you know, have you been obedient to what you've already been seen? And in that respect, one, one aspect of that can be, and we might say, is there some area where you're not being obedient to him already in what he's already spoken? Be that an area of conduct, sometimes we say sin. Is there something that's deliberate and ongoing in that space? Because if there is, that's going to be a blocker to hearing the voice of Jesus because it's something you've got to deal with first before you're going to hear his voice. And the second thing that's really worth um, keeping in mind is about preconceived ideas and not coming with preconceived ideas. You know what? Sheep quite often think they know better than the shepherd and they'll go racing off for some part of the, of the, the paddock which is the top of the sand hill when the shepherd actually knows that down in the valley, there's much better food. And sometimes that's what we're like. We want to go to that high spot where it's not so fertile when the food is really somewhere else. And we've got that preconceived idea that this is what might happen. And another one might be saying, well, God said this to that person. Why isn't he saying it to me? Or because he said it to that person, he must be saying it to me as well. And that's just not always the case. So a couple of things to watch out for in that space. But in terms of hearing the voice of Jesus, there's a lot of rich fodder for you uh, for discussion after the service or in your life groups. It's something that's really great to talk about. How do people hear the voice of God? Because it's a different, it is different for different people. There's one more passage I want to look at before we actually look at what this means for us. And it's Jesus talking about sheep again. And this is John chapter 21. John chapter 21, verse 15. And Jesus is actually talking to Peter. And there's a backstory to this, but I'm not going to give you all of the backstory tonight, apart from saying that Jesus is reinstating Peter, who has denied him, as an apostle and actually as a leader of the church. So John chapter 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
Yes, Lord, he, Peter said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And jumping down to the very end of verse 19, there's a couple of other bits. And then Jesus said, says to Peter, follow me. The last thing he says is follow me. And why am I sharing this passage? Because Peter was commissioned to be a leader here and a follower. A follower of Jesus, but a leader of his flock. He was going to be both. So what does this mean for us? Firstly, if you haven't committed your life to following Jesus, perhaps tonight is the night for you to do that. To come to the Good Shepherd. To respond to his voice. Jesus is calling for you to come closer, to know him and his voice. If you have committed to following Jesus, perhaps tonight is the night for you to respond to his voice. Jesus is calling you to come closer. Do you see that the message is the same? It's not a different message. The message is the same to those who are close and those who are closer and those who are far away. Jesus is calling. So if that's you, if you're in that space and you'd like to pray with people, there's people up the back after the service. Nick's around, I'll be around. Um, the elders are here and we'd love to pray with you around those things. But as followers, what does this mean for us? We're to be imitators of Christ. And what does that look like? Firstly, we're to be of good character. Jesus is the good shepherd. So it says that if we're to be like him, if we're to follow him, we want to be virtuous admirable, worthy, fair, these kind of things. A great scripture here is Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, which says, Let your light so shine, let your shine, light shine before others, that they may see your good work, deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the kind of life that we're encouraged to lead. I have to say I'm a bit bemused by some of the latest trends in secular leadership. Okay, I work in professional environments, oil and gas industry and mining and minerals and there's a lot about corporate culture these days. And back in the 1980s, greed was good. When I first started working, greed was good. It was all about the profit and, and really the hard autocratic leaders were the ones who rose to the top. Times have changed. Times have changed and the culture of today in business is a lot more empathetic. It's a lot more values-led. And there's a lot of emphasis on consultative leadership. The good leaders are consultative. And there's a lot of talk about values and they talk about accountability and integrity and care. And I sit there and I think, hey, get your own values. Those ones are taken. I learned those in Sunday school. <laughs> You know, so it's interesting to see how after this period we actually see some of these things that are great things coming back into a corporate environment. But we're to be of good character. Secondly, we're to follow his example and we're to follow his example in leadership, in displaying that good shepherd attitude. 
the good shepherd attitude and the good shepherd relationships in putting others before ourselves, in laying down our lives and our rights as Jesus did. We can be quite funny, actually, some of us who think we follow Jesus and we say, Lord, I'd do anything for you. I'd die for you. And sometimes I think we genuinely believe that. But please don't ask me to talk to that person over there because I really don't like them or they're difficult. Or please don't ask me to wash the dishes out the back afterwards because that's a rotten job. Someone else can do it. Or can I say, please don't even, this is controversial, please don't ask me to wear a mask. I find it uncomfortable. I don't say that to denigrate those who cannot do that, but it's just a thing around our attitude. Where's our heart? You know, if we're willing to do, lay down our life for Jesus, are some of these things, these small things, you know, are they such a big deal really? And is that part of being a good follower of Jesus? who was willing to follow through on all of the things that were asked of him in that space. But don't worry, if you are, have been in that club, you're in an illustrious club. I mean, Peter, Peter himself said, Lord, I will do anything for you. I'll lay down my life. I'll even die with you. And Jesus said, before the cock crows three times, you'll have denied me three times. And guess what? Peter did exactly that. But if you read on to the story, Peter just didn't leave it there and forget. And even the the passage we read is about Jesus reinstating him and saying, hey, Peter, it's okay. You can be a leader. So thirdly, we, we, we have to follow his commands. And the most simple one is the one that he gave Peter right at the end, follow me. In church, as in life, we're actually going to be leaders and followers. In many respects, all of us are leaders. Because all of us will lead with our attitude, if nothing else. Your attitude will impact the people around you. Your attitude will lead, impact the people around you. So choose to be what kind of follower you're going to be. And choose to follow constructively. If you are a leader in a position of leadership, be constructive. Care. Take on those good attitudes. It's worth noting that here in this church, um, we're subject firstly to Christ, to the leaders in our church are subject firstly to Christ, but secondly, we're subject to the members, the members of our church. So the leaders, every leader, the senior pastor, is actually accountable to the members because the members are the body of Christ and it's how we work here. So if you're a member here, you know what? You're my boss. You hadn't thought about that, had you? Um, In most cases, for practical reasons, we actually work through a board and um, appointed leaders and elders to act on the behalf of the membership just for convenience. But um, that's actually how it works around here. I've always felt that the best leaders are also good followers. You know, that the people who are easiest to follow are those who actually lead well, but also follow well, and you observe their behaviour and how they go about it. They have integrity in their leadership because they follow well. They're not asking you to do something they don't do or they can't do. They demonstrate it very much themselves. And for us, of course, the primary one we look for, are they following Jesus? I shared in the morning service this morning how great it was to talk to staff at this place and to hear them talk about their relationship with Jesus. 
because it's exciting to hear them say the well is being filled. It gives me real confidence of working with these people. Their relationship with Jesus is strong. So before we finish, I just want to say this. As a board and elders, we met um, late last year and there were a few things that we came up with as priorities for our church in 2022. And so if we can just grab that up there, please. Amaya? Keep going. Next one, I reckon. Yeah, this one. Oh, that middle one's pretty hard to see, isn't it? I'm not even sure what that says. Ah, good. <laughs> yeah. So um, these, these are the, one, the, the six priorities we have for this year. And there's two that I want to point out. The first one is intimacy with God. So when we talk about Jesus being the good shepherd, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. They listen to my voice. I know them and they know me. Intimacy with God. The second one that I want to point out is leadership development here. Because as I said, we're leaders and followers. And just to say that um, you'll hear more about each of these as the year progresses. But just to give a little bit of a plug that on the fourth Thursday of every month, there's going to be leadership training here in this facility. So if you want to get some leadership training and development in leadership and hear more than we can do in a sermon in a night on this like we are tonight, there's an opportunity there. But just to wrap up, and if I can get the band to come up at this point. Jesus is a good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. He has great character. He's good. Jesus loves the sheep. That's us. Jesus gave us an example of how to lead and how to follow. How to lead well with his disciples. How to follow well by being obedient to his Father and by laying down his life. And that we too are to lay down our lives and to lead well if we're asked to lead. And to follow well when we're asked to follow. We follow firstly Jesus. But then we help the work of Christ by following well in our midst here too. And working well with the people around us. And the other thing Jesus showed us that even if you're flawed as we all are, that doesn't disqualify you from leadership. It doesn't disqualify you from leadership. If there's areas you're struggling with still, that doesn't disqualify you with leadership. I have areas I struggle with still. Nick does, I can guarantee it. Dave Shepherd does, our senior pastor. There'll be areas in their life that you know, we've all got areas that we're working on. It doesn't disqualify us. Just says we need to be humble, we need to repent at those times and try again. And not think, I'm disqualified, I've failed, I, I'm not worthy. Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, follow me, follow me. So a reminder, if you haven't committed your life to Jesus and you want to do that tonight, we're around here and we can um, help you with that if you'd like to share with somebody tonight. Or if you have committed to following him, but you want to follow him more closely, take the time. Make that effort and come and receive prayer. Perhaps he's calling you to follow him more closely, to get to know him better, 
to improve your good shepherd attitude, to reconcile with someone where there's conflict, or to feed on better food figuratively or literally than whatever it is you're putting into your body or into your eyes or into your mind at the time. So with that, take that opportunity, but let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you've given us these words that you are the good shepherd. And we ask that you'll feed that into us, that we will look to your example and that you show us how you would like us to get to know you better, to hear your voice, to lead well, to follow well, to be your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.